Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to a special edition of the Run for God Run Club podcast. This is Coach Dean. Well, you know, we aim to please and we have heard your feedback. And we're going to make some minor changes to what we're doing here on the podcast. Now, we believe with what we have planned, such as it is, that everybody will have a reason to be happy about these changes. Well, now, first, what we've heard from many of you is that the podcast is simply too long. Uh, Many of you would rather have a podcast that's closer to an hour long. Well, we're going to keep on telling those great stories that the regular podcast has always contained. Those are the things that have been the bedrock of what we have done on the Run for God Run Club podcast, and we're going to keep doing that. But we're going to cut out a little bit of that extra information that we provide each week. Now, if you're saying, oh, no, I like all that stuff. Well, you're in luck. We're going to bring to you a second podcast, at least it's a bonus podcast in most weeks, where we talk about more specific technical things, as well as a little more in-depth coverage of what's going on in the professional running scene. So if you have enjoyed those moments on the podcast, then we're going to have a bigger dose of that going forward. We're also going to include specific training helps going forward as well. So if you're more of a running Uh, geek let's say then maybe you'll love that second podcast maybe even more than the first one these podcasts are going to come out as bonus podcasts for now but who knows maybe sometime in the future we'll have an entirely separate uh, podcast uh, that you'll be able to subscribe to separately because i know some of you like to hear Uh, some particular things and some others, and that's kind of the reason for separating these two. So we hope that we have struck a great balance here. The episode you're about to hear was recorded by me and my good friend, Cole Booker. He's a recently graduated collegiate athlete who has a great perspective on things from a competitive athlete's point of view. And then I'm going to add my coaching point of view to that. Let us know what you think at dean at runforgod.com. If you have any feedback at all, good or bad, we would love to hear from you. All right. Without further ado, here we go. You know, we're just fans of the sport of running and distance running specifically. Now, we like to dabble a little bit in the field field events, the sprints and things like that from time to time. But we aim to, through this podcast, share week by week our thoughts on the running world. Now, that could be event specific or it could be things that are just related to running in the running world. We're not professional runners. We're not professional journalists. But we do have a passion for all things running. So, Thank you for being here and joining us for this first discussion. Um, I look at this as kind of an extension of the Run for God Run Club podcast. So um, only this one's going to focus on the competitive side of things, the more technical side of things. Um, for those folks who think um, the Run for God Run Club is, is centered maybe too much around stories and, and that kind of thing. So um, hopefully um, folks will enjoy both. Uh, and if you're here from the Run Club, Spread the word around, let other people know, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, we don't quite have a name for this podcast right now, so if you'd like to send us any ideas, you can send those to dean at runforgod.com, and if you've got some great ideas, again, this is kind of a broad-based running podcast, so anything that would fit in that realm would be great. So my name, if you don't know, is Dean Thompson, and I'm joined today probably by maybe my favorite person on the planet to talk about running with. 
This is Co Booker. Welcome, Co. Hey, thanks for having me. So you're up in Iowa where it yeah. is freezing cold right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's not going to give the double digits for about a week. So it'll oh, be, it'd be brutal. I guess double negative digits maybe, but double positive. We won't hit that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even think about negative digits up here. Yeah. <laughs> or down here, I guess I should say. Um, so you, uh, you, you spent five years running for a division three school, which crazy enough was co college, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's no relation. No relation. Uh, <laughs> one of my buddies from high school got a letter in the mail from co, um, just a general recruitment and he's like, Hey, there's a co college. And so I came upon a visit up here and I loved it. And I've been up, uh, up here in Cedar Rapids ever since. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. And the weather there is crazy. I mean, it's it gets super hot and humid in the summertime and crazy cold in the wintertime. What in the world would you want to live up there for? Yeah, it's not fair. I don't think uh, <laughs> the humidity is awful. I mean, the summer is I thought I thought moving up here, I'll take the winter. Maybe the summer will be a little better than Georgia and maybe it slightly is, but it's definitely not worth it. Yeah, 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 it's not really a trade off. <laughs> <laughs> so you've just recently graduated, right? Yeah. Yeah. A uh, year ago. Right. About? Yeah. Yeah. And so what's your degree in? Computer science. So I computer got a bachelor's science. in computer science. And so now you're working with some, a company that does GPS technology and stuff like that, right? Which is cool yep. when we're, when we're runners knowing that, uh, that you're, you're invested in, uh, doing things around the GPS thing. Cause that's obviously become, although I'll, I'll tell you this, I was listening to a podcast yesterday or day before yesterday. I was, I think it was Grant Fisher was saying that up until last year, he didn't use a GPS watch at all. Wow. I thought I thought yeah. all young people were just crazy about, you know, the technology, but he used a regular old Timex for years up yeah, until last year. I've got a teammate who's pretty or a co he was pretty technolo- technology averse and he still uses a Timex, but that's really the only person I know my age that doesn't have a GPS watch. Well, most people my age have a GPS watch. Yeah. I mean, that's at this point in time, right? Well, yeah. Um, well, uh as I said, we're we're not professionals, but we do like to compete. So tell us a little bit about your running journey, maybe your PRs, things like that. Yeah, cool. So, uh, I mean, the biggest development I've had has been college. Um, I run outside with a, a club team called Running Wild Elite, which is based out of a running store up here in Iowa. Um, in college, I ran uh, 409 for the 1500, um 1552 for the 5k, 2607 for the cross 8k. Uh, I, I made pretty big steps at that point. I think I was, I ran like 1750s for the 5k in high school. Um, but it was just, you know, kind of being consistent and training pretty hard while I was here. I've, I've been able to make a big jump. Well, it was that terrible coaching you had in high school, right? Yeah. They had no <laughs> idea what they were doing. <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I'm a master's runner. I'm, um, again, I'm pretty competitive for my age. I'm 58 years old. I can still run somewhere, somewhere near 17 minutes flat for 5k. Although, um, I'm not sure about that right now. I haven't run a competitive race in a while. Um, I've won a couple national championships in my age group at the 3000 meter steeplechase, uh, placed in several other national championship races. I'm also part of the American record holding team for the 55 to 59 age group in the four by 800 meter relay indoors. So, uh, that's a lot of fun. We also have the second fastest four by 800 relay outdoors. So had I not been injured, I still think we would have beat that team and we'd have the fastest time, but we don't. 
So we broke the we broke the American record that that day. Unfortunately, another team broke it before us. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, again, as I said at the outset, we're not professionals, but I do hope our passion for the professional running scene kind of comes out in this podcast. So um, I do have one weird story that happened today, though. You'll love this. So uh, today I'm going for a run. And, you know, I've run over 100,000 miles in my life. There aren't many new things that happen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So today I, I go out to run and I'm I'm running out of my neighborhood. There's somebody driving into my neighborhood that I obviously probably at least know where they live. And the guy, as I'm running, he slows down. He's going the opposite direction. And the guy in the in the passenger seat rolls his window down. And he says one word to me out the window before he rolls his window back up. He looks at me and he goes, idiot. What? <laughs> well, you know, it was cold and nasty. It was a little yeah. slick out there. It wasn't great running conditions. Yeah. And so I laughed my head off. I thought it was hilarious. And uh anyway, a, a new a new running story. Uh, I love it when uh, new things happen. <laughs> yeah, I've been called a lot of things while running. I don't know if idiot is one of them. That's uh, that's pretty scathing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's get started by talking about the past year. So we're at the beginning of 2024. So I thought it'd be good to kind of recap 2023, kind of our feelings on, on that. Um, in the, in the, in the running world, of course, the, the year usually revolves around one or two pretty big events. Last year, of course, we had the world championships in Budapest, Hungary. And so that was, that was the event of the year, right? And the USA did a great job at, at that event. Um, unfortunately, most of it wasn't in the distance events, uh, or I guess none of it was in the distance events. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was that was sad. But the, we did really well in the sprints and the field events. Uh, better in the field events, I think, than maybe than ever before. Um, so that was that was pretty exciting. But what was your favorite event at that meet? Uh, for me, it's got to be the men's 1500. I know we'll probably talk about it a little later, but it was the most hyped event coming in, and it definitely lived up to the billing, in my opinion. That was hyped up, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you're right, it did. I loved that race. It was great. It was, and it was a surprise, too, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it felt like it might take close to a world record to win, and it pretty much did. So it was, yeah. it was nuts. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the other highlights. So um, Faith Kip Yegon had maybe she's she's a Kenyan she probably had maybe the best season ever for a female track and field athlete um she set the world records in the 1500 and the 5000 um of course I think her record was broken in the 5000 a little bit later (laughs) um but she had such an amazing year and she just looked like she was unbeatable all year I mean did you get that feeling like when 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 she was in a race, it was like, well, we know who the winner's going to be. I wonder who second's going to be. Yeah, I mean, every Diamond League we saw her at, it was just she ran away with it, and it it seemed like she was in her own world. They were bringing out, you know, two or three pacers just for her, and there was yeah. no one else in contention. It was it was wild, crazy. I'm looking forward to seeing what she does this year. See if she can yeah. keep that up. You wonder if that's lightning in a bottle, you know, where she just had that one great year, and if she'll level off to normality now, or if she'll she'll be able to hold that high level. Uh, well, uh, one of my favorite events of this was the di- women's discus. Did you catch the women's discus? So, so, you know, Valerie Allman is, you know, she's the superstar from the United States and everybody thought this is going to be Valerie's year to win the gold medal. And she would have if it weren't for her teammate. <laughs> yeah. So her, her teammate who nobody saw coming, 
she 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 threw like several meters. I don't remember how far it was, but like between from before the trials, I think she was like 13 meters further than she'd ever thrown before between making like a big jump in yep, the yep, in yep. the the uh, trials and then another huge jump in the Olympics. Such an unlikely person. And did, did you watch when she won the look on her face? Yeah, it was just shock. It was awe. I mean, it was I, I don't think she could even believe what she had just done. I mean, coming into the trials, no one expected her to make the team. Um, I think it, coming into the last round of prelims, she was sitting in 12th at USA's and got herself into fifth with a huge launch and then took the lead. Um, Valman ended up winning USA's, but it was it was pretty. I think she threw like a 13 foot PR at USA's to even make the team. And then it was even in a bigger PR to win the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Brings me back to the old days of Bob Beeman. You know who Bob yeah, Beeman yeah, yeah. is, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah we used to, we had a phrase when I was in high school. We used to anytime anybody did something really, really outstanding, we called it a Bob Beemanish event. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, um, well, I have to talk about the hundred meters, right? Uh, Noah Lyles winning the double was that a surprise to you? Yeah, I mean, I was all in on Fred Curley. Taking it. Um, I, yeah. I think most people might have been at that. I mean, everyone thought he had a shot, uh, but he had to fi- finish his start, figure it out, which, I mean, I think his start is going to be key to potentially trying to take Bolt's record, which he's been very vocal about saying that that's what he wants. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he looks like he's in shape to maybe get close to it this year. So. Yeah. So you think he can repeat? Uh, one, two, that. If he did it again, he should be able to do it this year. Um, I mean, I think it'll be interesting when Curly actually makes a final and we get to see that matchup in a world final because he was a shock yeah. this year and didn't even make the final. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he's got a really good shot. I mean, I think I, I don't see him getting slower. I only see his 100-meter capabilities improving. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And what about Shakari Richardson winning the, the Olympics for, or winning the world championships from the outside lane? That was crazy. Yeah, and she really- barely made it in. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were she's on pins and needles waiting to see if she even makes it into the, the championship final. She makes it in and then she doesn't. I mean, after the start, it didn't look like she was going to win. Yeah. yeah. And then she came on strong. Yeah. She was on somewhat of a revenge tour after missing Eugene last year. Um, and so it was it was that was a big of a shock as any because I think I mean, she only raced a few times leading up to world champs. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not the biggest Shakari Richardson fan, but um, that was a great that was a great day. And she, yeah. she had some she had some really good things to say afterwards, too. Um, yep. it, it was it was a good day for her, I thought. Yeah. The, uh, the 800 was an odd event, right? I mean, who did you have going in? Did you think a thing Mo was going to was going to repeat or did you think Keely had a shot at her? I really thought Keely was finally going to get her global gold. I mean, she's been second three times now. Um, and I thought this was her year. Um, I thought, I thought maybe Mary Mora had a chance. The only time her and Keely went head to head that year was in Lausanne and Mary won, but Keely just looked like she was on fire. No one had heard of Mo. She kind of disappeared. Um, and I, I really thought Keely was going to take it. It was, it was shocking. I did too. I didn't, I think I thought Mo was a little not quite engaged as much as she needed mm-hmm. to be to win yeah. it, but, yeah. um, yeah, you just assumed that Keeley would win it then. Yep. Cause, you know, Mary, when Mary beat Keeley early, earlier in the year, it was, yeah, it was, it might have been a surprise, but you know, in those meets, anything can happen, right? Yep. In the yep. championship meet, surely she was going to win. But <laughs> yeah. And man, she looked good winning that thing. So that's going to be a, another, I mean, those same players are all going to be back 
for the Olympics. Should be fun to watch. Yeah, I hope Bobby Kersey maybe and a thing will learn their lesson that 800 runners actually have to race. You know, you got to be yeah. pretty sharp coming into world championships, which, I mean, a thing came out of pre and dominated pre. Um, so maybe they learn a little bit from that and get get a thing on the Diamond League circuit this summer. Well, and the thing looked good in that 1500, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. she's- no, I think I, I was very I didn't think she even had a shot. I thought maybe maybe she'll make the final. But yeah, she was. Yeah. She looked really good. Yeah, she did. Well, the fifteen hundred. You mentioned the fifteen hundred a little while ago. That was probably the event of the meet. Yeah. And Josh Kerr, Scottish boy, yep, comes yep. in and and uh, and takes down Jakob Ingerbritz. And I mean, everybody was giving it to Jakob, I think. And um, I don't know how many people gave Josh Kerr any chance at all. Um, I know I didn't. No. I mean, it, I guess in hindsight, you look back and you think, well, it doesn't surprise me that he that he didn't win. But then when, when I I remember thinking about it beforehand and thinking, well, it wouldn't surprise me if he got beat, but who's going to beat him. And I really couldn't come up with a guy that I thought the 1500s really deep right now, isn't it? Don't you think it's crazy deep? I I can't think of a time since I've been watching and following uh, professional track and field that it's been this deep. I mean, going into Paris, I feel like there's maybe 10 guys you could name that all have an actual, like a shot, an argument that they could win. Um, yeah, yeah. This is I like mean, the old days back in the uh, back in the eighties when I was when I was running in high school and you had Sebastian Coe yeah. and Steve Ovet mm-hmm. and Steve Cram and Steve Scott and you just had a whole bunch of guys that yeah. were all really good. We're kind of back to that. It's really fun. Yeah, I mean the the growing rivalry between Nordos and Ingebrigtsen with all of the issue. I mean that's really cool too. I mean Nordos is still being coached by Jakob's father, who Jakob doesn't seem to talk to anymore. Um, and Nordas, I think all he wants to do is just be Jakob. It's it's the only thing on his mind. It seems almost like twenty four seven anytime you hear him talk. And so it's it's going to keep growing and being interesting. And he's close. And he's yeah, close. Yeah, he's he's really and, and really close. You, you've got the kid. Um, ah, what's his name? Niels Laros. Uh, yeah, Laros. I mean, I think he's in that mix too. Yeah, I'd put Niels in that mix. I think he gets another year in him. Um, he's going to be real close. I think you. This could be a little bit of American bias, but I mean, I think after pre, you can't count out Yard Nagus. Uh, no, you can't. Running three, the fourth fastest mile or, of all time now. Um, got Mario Garcia Romo, uh, Ali Hor when he if he comes out comes out of injury and becomes healthy again. Like there's a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah, man, I can't wait. I'm getting all fired up just talking about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Well, then, then uh, of course at the World Championships, Ingebrigtsen came back and won the 5K. Um, and, and I just, I just can't imagine anybody beating him in the 5k. I just can't imagine it. The way that he turns the screw over the last five laps of that race, I just yeah. don't see how anybody sticks with him and stays close enough to him to have a shot at him in the last 200 meters. Yeah. I think he's running just so much more volume and so much more threshold effort than everyone else is at this point it just seems like there's no one that has the aerobic capacity that he does especially over 5k as much as he wants to claim he's a miler i think he's more of a 5k guy um well actually he says he's more of a 5k guy oh he thinks so okay Sorry. yeah yeah it, which, it, which is bizarre because it seems like every time he loses the 1500 it's like oh the world championships was a bust for him it, at yeah. least the perception i've seen um i agree with that where i guess I but that. you know he's still you know he won the 5k it's not a yeah it wasn't a loss and he seemed, it seemed like he was sick. I, I mean, he, I, I don't know. Yeah. But he, just, he didn't look like himself in that 1500. Personally, yeah. I didn't think so. 
Yeah. Um, he didn't really look like himself in the 5,000 either. I think he just, he was just better than everybody else. Yeah. I mean, it could be. We'll see. We'll find out this year. Of course, he's injured right now. Um, just pulled out of, um, uh, what the, 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 the indoors. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I heard it's an Achilles injury. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's are... anything serious right now. Yeah. But hopefully it doesn't turn into anything serious. Yeah. Achilles stuff is always super scary. Um, takes a while to recover from usually. So yeah, it does. Well, there, there, there's, there are a lot of people who are dominating their events these days. You got, you know, we mentioned a few, but you got, and you get then in addition to the ones we've already mentioned, you got Ryan Krauser, Armand Duplantis. I mean, that guy, golly, he's amazing. Yep. Um, but you know who I think is the most dominant person in track and field? I think Supian El Bacali is the most dominant athlete in track and field. I just, there's, I just can't imagine, you know, he, he raced Germa, who broke, yep. who set the world record. Yep. And he raced him in, in the steeplechase and he made Germa look like he was standing still in the last hundred meters. There's nobody that can beat him over the last hundred. Yeah. And I would be very surprised for anyone to beat Albacali coming up. I mean, I really do think Paris is a race for third. This year was a race for third. Um, there's, you know, maybe six, seven guys that could get a bronze, but it almost feels like if the gold and the silver are locked up by Bacali and Germa. Yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? That makes it less fun, but uh, I'll tell you what, yeah. though, it makes it, it makes it more fun, though, if they get beat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's worth tuning in just for that. Well, who do you think's more dominant in their event? You think it's Kip Yagon or Bacali? Over an individual event, I think Bacali just his domination in the 3K steeple is unmatched by anything Kip Yagon's done. Um, but I mean, as a general career, I mean, her range from, 15 to 5k um i i i don't know i mean if, if you have to narrow it down to one event you have to pick 15 or 5k for kip Yagon. i think you have to give bacali the edge for the 3k but if you can consider all of her work i think maybe maybe you have to go with kip Yagon. that's a good way to look at it interesting yeah. well the marathon in 2023 was certainly interesting both on the men's and women's side um on the men's side kelvin kiptum just kind of redefined what marathoning is. Yeah. I mean, he ran the two fastest times of the year in his two marathons that he ran, including the world record. Um, he's young, which is crazy because usually marathoners are, you know, guys that were on the track at one time that were really good at track. And then they, they, once their track plays out, they move to the marathon. Well, he's young. He's starting with the marathon. Makes you wonder about some of those some of those track guys, how good they would have been at the marathon had they started at the marathon. I don't know. You think that? Yeah, I mean, I think we're getting a pretty good test example of that right now with Connor Mance in the U.S. to see what a budding track star will look like in the marathon if he doesn't wait until you know he passes prime on the track to to move over. Um, I think it seems like a country like Japan is a pretty good example of where the marathon is their biggest thing, and they have I don't even. Countless sub two ten guys, way more than the U.S. has. Way um, more, yeah. And so I, I think if you want to start being competitive with the marathon now, when people are running, you know, sub two o three regularly, you have to start it early. You can't just be like, this is on my back burner, and you know, I'll go get some some prize money from road races after I'm done on the track. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Kelvin Kipton's, uh training is just in quick. Yeah. <laughs> almost two hundred miles a week. Some weeks. Yeah. Yep. That's incredible. How do you, yeah. I mean, how, how does a body hold up? It makes you wonder how long he's going to be around. Yeah. You know, can I mean, his it, body hold up? 
I think even his coaches said that. He's like, I don't know how much longer he can do this, but I guess we'll find out, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoa, man. So I think the marathon game is changing a little bit, but I think shoes have something to do with it, don't you? Yeah, I mean, the super shoes allow you to get the aerobic effort without the taxing on your body. Um, it seems like you just recover way faster um, after workouts. I feel that now. I, I mainly do workouts in endorphin speeds and threshold miles i feel a lot better the next day than i used to if i was just wearing a pair of flats or spiking up or something like that yeah 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 that's that's really changed the game i think that that may be the biggest change uh, of anything that's happened for improvement loss well things haven't changed much on the women's side you still got i mean helen obiri kind of was the the marathoner of the year um won two majors last year of course she was she did come up the traditional way through the, the track um but O'Beary always looks like she's dying to me. Did, did you watch the New York City Marathon? I didn't and, see the whole thing. I saw I saw some bits. I saw the highlights after. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, she always looks like she's struggling a little more than everyone else. It's a little more taxing for her, but she just keeps ratcheting it down and ratcheting it down and ratcheting it down, and then all of a sudden she's gone. And there's no one around. Well, and the the one that was, uh, um, uh, what's her name, the, the Ethiopian that was chasing her in New York, um, I just knew, I just knew she was going to win it. Um, because she's just, she's a track athlete. She's got the yeah. kick and everything in it, but no, O'Beary just pulled away from her at the end. It was, it was, it was fun to watch for sure. But you know, I, and here's my, my, my argument is the best track athlete on the planet overall, the best runner on the planet overall right now is Safan Hassan. Here's somebody who meddled in the 1500. And ran fast enough to run a world record in the marathon just months apart. Yeah. That's astonishing for anybody to do that. I mean, she ran 213 for the marathon on 1500 meter training. I mean, (laughs) who does that? Yeah. I'd be interested (laughs) to see how, what her volume's like. It's got to be astronomically high on top of hitting really hard sessions. Um, it's, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I can't think of anyone who's ever done anything close to this. It's, no. Yeah. Well, there's another. I think I think it's a an Ethiopian lady that's coming up right now who was who was actually in I was at World Championships or or Olympics okay. in the 800 meters. Yeah. And, and just ran really well. So. Oh, okay. um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's another one. So, yeah, that, that's that's a new that's a new development, I guess. Yeah. In running. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I wonder if it has to. I don't know if it's a I'd be interested to see their training and see what it kind of looks like. Dig into it. Like how you're able I to would, double like that. Yeah, I would too. I, I, of course, this is kind of a, maybe a super inflammatory thing to say, but, um, I, I really, and I believe this in my deepest, in, <laughs> in most parts, I really think all the hand wringing about this small decision about how many miles you run and what workouts you did when, I think there's something to it, obviously. Yeah. But I just, you know, I just don't think there's as much to coaching and getting the plan just right as everybody thinks there is. What do you what do you think about that statement? Uh, I think minutia. I think I agree with it to an extent. Minutia wise, like, are you, you know, talking about miles? um, But when you're thinking of it in terms of general philosophies, are you doing more of like a Jerry Schumacher method or what's being popularized now? You know, the Marius Bakken, the Norwegian way. Um, I think there is a big difference to that. Um, I mean, I. Part of the reason why you're seeing a lot of pros switch to the the Norwegian method is because of the success you've seen Jakob have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I'm going back and forth, I guess, in my head while I'm saying yeah. this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe you're right. Um, 
I think. I mean, you look, look at the Japanese. You yeah. mentioned the Japanese and marathoning, right? Yeah. I, I mean, most of the, most of the a lot of those Japanese that are running sub two ten, they're not even professionally coached. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I don't know. I just I really think the most important thing about an athlete, a runner, is that six inches between your ears. And I think that a guy like um, uh, Ingebrigtsen, I, I think that's what's special about him. I think if he was training under Jerry Schumacher, he'd still be awfully good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And maybe winning just as much. Yeah, I can't argue with that, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's, I think it's a fun thing to debate anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think there's merit to what the Ingebrigtsen say a lot, um, is, you know, they're injured less than a lot of runners are because they're training so intense, but, or so less intense and there's just way more volume, but, yeah, in terms of if you could stay healthy, I think a lot of times it's pretty equal, you know, training yeah. as long as you're getting the effort. Well, I've always said I, it, it all you can have a super intense, low volume or a high volume, much less intense, but it's a sliding scale. You can't have high volume, high intensity or you're yeah. going to get hurt. And yep. that, that's where some people get, get off the off the rails, I think. So well, let me ask you this. The Olympic marathon coming up this year. Would you take Kelvin kick? Kelvin Kiptum and Elliot Kipchoge or the field? I'm Kiptum and Kipchoge all day. I mean, yeah. I, I think I would take if it's just Kipchoge versus the field. I think I'm still taking Kipchoge. Really? Um, I'm taking the field. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. they might have a shot. I mean, a marathon's a long way to go. Um, but realistically, if if either of those guys have a good day, there's not many people who can beat them. Uh Except in, unless they're on hills, which is what they have in Paris. I guess that's a good so, point. It's a I, I think that's <laughs> I think that's the equalizer in Paris. I think that the, the Paris is going to be hillier than than most of the uh, Olympic marathons have been lately, and so I think that's going to be the equalizer. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, the only time we've seen Kipchoge really falter recently was in Boston, right? Yep. Um, hilly course. So I, yeah, maybe. Um, I still feel like I'm taking either one of them. Uh. I think Kipchoge is a smart guy. He's maybe going to learn from some mistakes he made at Boston and, and adjust from there. Um, but yeah, yeah, in a championship race, I feel, find it hard to think one of those guys isn't going to come away with the gold. Well, why do you think the Americans can't run faster? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they're all asking the same thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like, I mean, Molly Seidel had great success in, in Tokyo, but she's kind of disappeared since then. I mean, the women were great in Eugene, but it's still not. They're not well, close the to the medal. Yeah, but the, uh, the women have made pretty good strides over the past three or four years. Yeah. I mean, the men right now, they're not, they're not, you take into account shoes and they're not as good as men were in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Alberto Salazar was running 208 in the eighties. Yeah. You know, and, and so I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't, yeah. I don't get it, but yeah, it's a weird problem. I mean, cause I think we only have two, we only have two men get the standard this year, right? For Not going so in, far, yeah. going into Orlando. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else is, I don't think Orlando is going to be the day that they're going to get it. So, I mean, I, no, it's going to be hot. Yeah. I'm not sure how it works out, but we might only end up having two men in Tokyo yeah. in uh, Paris, right? That'll be crazy. That's, that's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Mm-mm. Well, anything else about 2023? Uh, Hobbs Kessler winning that road mile championship. Yeah, that was, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a cool event. I hope they, I mean, it plans like, it seems like they're going to keep doing it, but it was a lot of fun to see. Um, I thought maybe Yard was going to take his world record, uh, when he was, when he's out in Honolulu, but, uh, I think the course in Riga was a little more positive for, for running fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, well, uh, how about, well, and how about, we didn't even, we didn't talk about Tigas to Sefa, um, running the world record time for women. She ran 211. I remember when I saw that time, I thought, no, 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 no. That, that's supposed yeah. to be 214 or something, right? Yeah. There's not, yeah, can't exactly. be 211. Yep. Yep. She was the first person to go under 214 and the first person to go under 213 and the first person to go under 212 all at one time. I yeah, mean, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. I couldn't I mean, believe it. I mean, the best, we have very few men in the United States who can run faster than Tigas Sefa can run. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I'd, I'd have to look, but I, it can't be more than 20 guys right now, 15 guys, right? Like I, uh, I'd say tops. Yeah. 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 Well, well, we'll talk more about American Marathon in next week. But um, again, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, we mentioned him. His season was insane. He won six 1,500-meter wins in the Diamond League. He just couldn't be beat until it came championship time. Of course, he won the 5K at championship time. But he set records in the 2K and the 2-mile. I don't know about you, but that 2-mile was about as impressive as anything I've ever seen running-wise. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I still think back to uh – Craig Mottram running 803. Um, I think it was in the pre-classic to, in 2007-ish around yeah. then. And I remember like the first time I saw that video, I was mind blown. And so this is, you know, otherworldly, it seems like. I, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. Two, three, 57 miles back to back. I mean, yeah. th- that, that's just crazy to think about, right? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the 2K was pretty amazing, too. I mean, the pace he ran for the 2K was 349 mile pace. So there are very few guys who can run 349 for the mile, yeah. and he's doing yeah. it for an extra lap. Yeah. Uh, he's like, uh, you know, he he wins the race and then goes, I'm going to take another lap just for the fun of it, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think it was after the pre-classic when he told uh, it's a Norwegian paper that he wants to hold every world record between the 15 and the marathon. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think if anyone's a, got a shot, it's him, but it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, what do you think about him going longer? Do you think that, do you think he's going to be better at the 10K? I mean, it looks like the longer he goes, the better he is. Do you think he's going to get better as he goes longer? Or Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, of the world records, I would think maybe the 15 and the marathon are going to be the hardest for him to get. Um, he's been trying at the 15 for a couple of years now and getting pretty close. But um, I think if he can get the 15, I don't see any reason why he couldn't run, you know, something ridiculous in a 10K. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I can't wait to see it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he'd do it this year, but uh, I guess he's still going to do 15, 15, yeah, five for this year. So check it off and then. Yeah, on. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about 2024. Again, obviously the Olympics is what everybody's shooting for. So what do you think are the going to be the events to watch in 2024? Yeah, I think, I mean, I always love the shot, uh, the men's shot at, at the world champs and seeing Kovacs go at it with, Otterdahl, Krauser, Tom Walsh, yeah. you know, all yeah. those guys. It's a lot of fun. Um, the men's 15 for sure. I mean, we named, you know, that's yeah. probably going to be my favorite event going into it. Um, I'm excited to see the steeple for the reasons we talked about where it's kind of a question mark on that bronze medal is completely open. It seems like, um, and yeah, uh, there's 20 could, names that you could think of that might win that. Yeah. So it'd be really interesting to watch. Um, yeah. Big hundred meter fan. What do you think? What do you think's going to happen in the hundred meters? Yeah, I mean, I think Lyles probably wins again. It'd be cool to see Shakiri win again, but um, you've got a whole host of names right behind her that she's going to be competing with. Uh, I'll see. Well, we're going to talk about some bold predictions here in a few minutes, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna talk about that. 
the women's 800 should be interesting again. We just talked about the one, the ladies that are coming back, um, and whether or not what's, what's going to happen there. I wonder, you know who I wonder, I wonder about, uh, Addie Wiley and what she's going to be doing this year. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think anybody's really got her on their bingo card right now, but uh, she's got a shot at something. Yeah. I mean, she looked really good last year at USJs. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Um, and she's been one of those steady improvers. You know, every year she's a little bit better. Yep. So yep, yep. if she's better this year, I mean, she's, she's sub four in the 15 and that's, that's going to get her on the team. Yeah. I mean, it'll, I, I'm begged to ask the question when someone's going to pick her up. I think, I think there's, you know, kind of a smoke and mirrors around it, but you know, who knows yeah. when she'll, if, if or when she gets picked up by, by a sponsor. What, what do you think? I, I, I kind of admire Addie Wiley because I kind of feel like, She's got a really tough time. You know, she, they, they talk about her all the time because of all the, the gray clouds surrounding her coach and, and all of that. But, you know, she has just said, look, I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't know what's gone on in the past, but I'm friends with her and I, that's who I want to coach me. And so everybody can just go pound saying, I don't care what you think. I kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, to an extent I do, I guess. Um, I understand the from a sponsor perspective wanting to not have your name attached to all of that. Um, I do too. I do too. So I, I wouldn't blame any company for saying, "Yeah, we don't we don't want to touch that. We're gonna we're gonna steer away." For sure. But that's why I think I like the the idea of uh, of because she knows that. I mean, yeah. Eddie Wiley knows yeah, that. Right? Yeah, she has. She to. knows it's costing her some money, and she's like, yeah. "I don't care. This is this is my principle." Yeah. And I kind of like that. As long as there's nothing bad going on there. Now, yeah, yeah, I yeah. take every bit of that Big back. Asterisk. If we ever find out <laughs> yeah. she's doing something nefarious. <laughs> well, what do you think is going to happen with Sydney McLaughlin, uh, Lavroni? Uh, do you think she's going to run? She said she's going to run the open four. Is she still going to run the hurdles? What, what do we think is going to happen there? I hope she doubles. Um, I really I do. do. I, I'd like to see her in both. I think she's talented enough to win both of them. Um, if she's on her A game, I think it's another case where a Bobby Kersey athlete kind of sitting it out and being mysterious. You don't really know what they're doing. Um, but I hope, I really hope, I know this isn't going to happen, but I hope we get to see her on the Diamond League circuit. Um, so I mean, I do too. Yeah. Well, you know, I think here's what I think may happen. If she doubles, I think she's going to get beaten both. Yeah. I think Paulino will beat her in the 400 and I think. Bowl will beat her in the yeah. 400 hurdles <laughs> because both of them are, are coming up. And I, now I, I, I don't know that she doesn't have a better shot at winning the 400, the flat 400 than the 400 hurdles. Yeah. I think you might be right. I mean, I think the Femka is someone who would hold the world record if it wasn't for Sydney. Um, and Boy, I, she I looks think, good. yeah, I, I don't think there's anyone as close to sitting in the 400 as Femka is in the 400 hurdle, um, where, you know, one mistake and it's over and Femka's right yeah. there. So, yeah. Of course, I think Britton Wilson is, is going to do well in the 400 too. Uh, yeah. I, uh, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Well, do you have any, I mentioned bold predictions. I've got a few. Um, I, I'll mention my bold predictions and then you can mention yours. All right. So here's, here's mine. And I've already mentioned some of this. I don't think Kiptum or Kipchoge win the Olympic marathon. So I think that'll be a, I think that's a bold prediction. I don't, and, and I think if that happens, everybody will be surprised. I think the United States is going to have somebody who's going to be competitive in the 800 this year. And I think it's going to be Will Sumner. 
I think yeah. Will Sumner's the real deal. And, um, you know, he hasn't done it on the world stage yet. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to him in that Olympic 800 and, and hopefully doing well there. And then, um, I think neither this is again, it's a bold prediction, whether it comes true or not. This is a shot in the dark, but I'm saying neither the hundred meter men's nor women's comes from the United States. Okay. That's yeah, that's a bold one. Wow. I, I think you got a, you got two or three guys in the hundred that are not, not the least of which is, um, um, Oh, names are escaping me right now. Uh, the Italian guy that won the Olympics, last Olympics. Um, you, you got him that should be back and strong and healthy this year, yep. Who, yep. which he wasn't last year. Um, and then you got the young guys, Omanyala and, um, uh, what's, uh, yeah, yeah, Tobogo. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be tough in both the 100 and the 200. Yep. So, um, so I'm saying, yeah. And on the women's side, I, boy. It's hard to bet against uh, the uh, Jamaicans. Yeah, no, it is. But it would be a surprise if we ne- if we won neither of those medals. So uh, that's why it's a bold prediction. So what do you got? Uh, if I so I think piggybacking off what we said earlier, I want to say Fimka finally gets uh, gets it and beats Sydney head to head in a race. Um, so I think Sydney wins in, or uh, Fimka wins in Paris. Um, I want to say. I don't know if this is bold anymore, but I think Jakob doesn't win the 1500 for the third year in a row. I don't know who would beat him. Um, I, I, I think it would be really cool if, um, if his, uh, compatriot, um, am I blanking here? Nordas. Uh, uh, Nordas. Nordas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, if Nordas beat him, I think that would be, that'd be a cool storyline to follow. It would. Um, if I had to pick That's another one. one. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I think the 800 one is probably a good idea. I, I think Will Sumner is probably our best hope in the 800 at this point. I mean, I don't know if I see Brazier making a comeback anytime soon. It looks I like wish he's, he would. Looks like he's, I mean, he's left Pete Julian uh, officially, so I don't know. I think he's back with his high school coach, if I recall correctly. Um, I don't know, maybe I'll say some. I think Clayton Murphy still got some more in him. Let's say Clayton Murphy pulls out a medal somehow. That'd be great. Man, I'd yeah. love to see that. He seems like one of the good guys. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, so I've got down what I think are the locks for the Olympics, and mine, they were this, El Bacali, which we talked about in the, in the steeplechase, Kipiegon in the 1500, Warholm in the 400 hurdles. I just can't see anybody beating him ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Femke Bowl in the women's 400-meter hurdles, especially if McLaughlin Lavroni doesn't run. If she doesn't run, that's a lock. Um, if, yeah. Le, if Lavroni runs, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. Um, but then Mondo in the, uh, in the pole vault. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You disagree with any of those? No, I, that, that all sounds pretty fair to me. Would you add any to that? Uh, if I had, I mean, I think Jakob in the 5k, did you, you didn't say Jakob in the 5k, did you? I didn't, but you're right. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to beat him in a 5k uh, at his best. Um, he maybe even has worse if last year he wasn't looking great. Uh, I, I, I think he still has, I don't know if he has the foot speed to compete over the last two, 150, 75 meters in a 1500 if there's people still with him. But in a 5k, yeah. he has so much more time to squeeze it out of everyone else. I just don't see anyone beating him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it should be fun. Should be fun to watch. Well, you have any predictions for a world record this year? 
Do you think the 1500 goes down this year? I think if it doesn't go down this year, it's going to last a while longer. Uh, I think yeah. this, this might be the best shot you've got. I mean, you've got so many guys and there's going to be, you know, maybe something like a Monaco or, um, Oslo where they're, they're just going to go after it and, and let it rip. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope it goes down this year and I, I think it's got, I, I think it's probably got one of the better chances. Um, Mondo will probably break his own world record again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't see Kip Yegan making a 5k attempt to try and get it back and trying to go be the first woman under 14 flat. You don't think she will? I, I think she'll make an attempt. I think she oh. probably could do it. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I think, I think so. Shot. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, I think the, the women's 400 is so far past due. Yeah. I know they're still a ways away from it, but if, if Sydney runs the 400, I, I just feel like she's going to push that thing down there. Yeah. And I think maybe this is finally the year. I wish they would break the 800 record, but. That's still a ways off. Uh, you know, the world record there is still 153. Been around since yeah. what 87, I think. Yeah. Uh, obviously, to somebody who was juiced to the gills. But, <laughs> I mean, well, let's let's get that out of the way. Both the 400 and the 800. Both of those yeah. women were, I mean, just absolutely. They they look more like men than women. I mean, they they were. <laughs> They were doing some serious, I mean, and, and we know that they uncovered all of that in that pro, in those programs. So, um, anyway, um, I'd love to see that. And, uh, do you think Jakob has a chance in the 5k? At breaking the world record? Um, yeah. if, if he decides he's gonna, I mean, it seems like he's been using all of his, his fast races as more middle distance attempts. Um, I, if, if he, if he actually goes after a fast 5k, I, I don't know why he wouldn't have a chance. I think he could win a 5k and almost, any fashion, any race. I don't think they're going to beat him. So if he if he wants to go after one, I think he's got a really good shot. That's a good point. Good point. All right. Well, I saw this. I thought I'd ask you this one last question because I thought it was an interesting question. I saw it on Let's Run. I, you know, I pay attention to Let's Run message boards sometimes. And I thought it was a cool question. Said, uh, what sport produces the best athletes who could run 10 miles with 30 pounds over their shoulder? So take 30 pounds carried on your shoulder, and then what sport would make the fastest athlete over 10 miles? I feel like it's got to be like a rugby player or like Aussie rules football. Someone, they're they? running a lot. They're running as much as, maybe not as much as a soccer player, but they're running close to it, and they're still bulky. I feel like yeah. it's got to be that. Yeah. Yeah. What about Ryan Hall? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if he could if he could still run 10 miles, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, he, I mean, he could still run a sub-five-minute mile right now. I mean, yeah. That guy could, I'm sure he could do it. Uh, how could he do it faster than everybody else? I don't know. I, I'd, I'd put some money on him. You know who else I thought about was, um, um, the 800, uh, Nick Simmons. Okay. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he was doing that. Um, I don't remember what it was. It was like he wanted to squat an absurd amount and run up sub five mile directly after. Yeah. I don't know if he ever beat the challenge, but yeah, he looks like he's in good shape still. Yeah, he loves to do stuff like that too. That'd be fun. Yeah. So those are, you know, obviously I'm going to be a little biased towards the people in the running world, but, uh, yeah. anyway, uh, I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to see that challenge. I'd like to see somebody take that on. Well, Co, I appreciate you, uh, taking your time out of, uh, this day to, to, for us to, to talk about all this stuff. We appreciate everybody else for tuning in. 
next week, we plan on looking at the American Olympic trials, kind of breaking that down as much as we can and uh, seeing what we think there. Maybe a little more focused than we were this time. We were kind of scattered this time and talked about a lot of different things. Um, and then down the road, I'd like for us to talk about some other things besides just professional running. Uh, you know, some training-related things, some um, maybe the best running movies, the best running books, you know, stuff like that, stuff that just surrounds running. Uh, the possibilities are endless. We would love to hear from you. If you're listening and you have some ideas on some things you would like to hear about that are more connected to running, let us know what those things are. You can send that to Dean at runforgod.com. We'd love to hear, and maybe your idea is the next thing we do. Who knows? But um, we, we appreciate you tuning in. And until next week, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.